Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zen Dependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I truly hope you enjoy this episode. And before we get into the podcast, here's a brief word from our sponsor, Anchor. The views and opinions expressed by past, present, and future guests of Zen Dependently Minded have not been expressed by me, and they may not be shared by me. The views and opinions that I express on Zen Dependently Minded are, of course, satirical. Come on, guys. If this is a hard concept for you to grasp and you're listening to this episode and you're confused, stop, take a deep breath, and do this thought experiment. If you like what I said, maybe you can assume and you can tell yourself that it's my real opinion. If you don't like what I said, just convince yourself that this is satire, because this podcast is satire. And this is, of course, a character. Nobody would have these real opinions, would they? Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. How's it going, guys? It's your boy, newly addicted crackhead, losing his voice, the host of Zen Dependently Minded. <clears throat> I hope you guys have been doing well. I'm doing pretty good. And this episode, if you've seen the title, was titled uh, Return from America 2, because uh, part of the reason why I didn't do an episode, I haven't done an episode the past couple weeks, I know I've been inconsistent, I've been making excuses, but I had to take an emergency trip to the States, but I am back. So I'm going to be talking about America and uh, the sad state of America, um, but also the good things and the beautiful things about America in this episode. But if you don't like me losing my voice, then don't listen to the podcast. Wait till next week because next week my, my voice will be better. Or actually wait two episodes because I'm going to be releasing a second episode tonight. That's going to be one where I discuss, predict, uh, analyze, and yeah, just commentate on <clears throat> UFC 280 uh, before it happens, of course. I'm not going to be doing live commentary because I'm not that good at that kind of thing. But yeah, I uh, my, my voice is gone, uh, not because of COVID, um, not because of any sickness or anything. It's uh, I think it could actually be, maybe it has something to do with this new hobby that I've picked up recently that requires me to use my voice a lot, use my throat a lot. Um, and no, it's not podcasting. It's not singing. It's a uh, smoking crack. So that's why I'm losing my voice. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, my trip to America was nice. I got to spend time with family, uh, that, uh, you know, glass half full. I got to see my family and my time that I spent in America was in a small town in, in, in the country. And I really learned and really got to, I didn't learn brand new, but I really got to experience and further appreciate families and small towns and small America, but mostly families, close-knit families, good people, great families with great morals and great values is invaluable. It's something that I've always known that I've loved, but each passing day, each time I have a conversation with a family member, each time I get to spend time with them in person, it helps me appreciate having a great family. And I'm grateful and I'm blessed to have a great family. And people who do have great families, whether it's small or medium-sized or it's huge, love your family and be appreciative of that. Because anytime you lose, you never know when, when what can happen. The lights can shut out in the middle of the night. Lights can shut out on your way to work in a car accident, God forbid. But my trip to America really, 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 really helped me appreciate and love my family 
more than I already have, which is the amount increases every day. Anyway, all that sappy shit out of the way. The country's still a dump. The cities are dumps. Small towns are where it's at. Small towns are where it's at. Smaller communities are where it's at, in my humble opinion. Big cities can suck a fat dick. The city is where you go to die, literally and figuratively. You go there to 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 sell your soul for money. You go you go there to drop all your values, not see other humans as normal human beings, treat them like things that are just passing by. If you don't believe this is true, go to any major city in America. Not even just America, in the world. But America, it's a big problem. New York. Do they treat each other like genuine human beings down there? Some of them do. A lot of them don't. Los Angeles. Humans are not seen as humans there. You go there to sell your soul. You go there to... to you go to the city to sell your soul for a quick buck. Or a quick million bucks. Or a quick ten million bucks. And then you figuratively, you actually physically go to the city to get fucking stabbed by a crackhead that smears poop on you and then stabs you with his infected heroin needle. That's how I see cities. Big cities can suck a fat dick. Small town America is where it's at. I've always felt this way for some reason. I always have. I've never liked big cities. Uh, if you go back to my Return from America episode one, I spent the first 30 minutes complaining about Chicago, which I still genuinely believe is the worst city in the world, at least from my experience. It's by far the worst city in America. It's a piece of shit. There's no redeeming values uh, there's no redeeming aspects of Chicago. Chicago can suck a dick. Most big cities can suck a dick. If I like a big city, that's how you know it's great. I love Venice. I love Dublin. I love Cologne, Germany. I love some cities. But most big cities can suck a fat, sweaty, unclean dick. <laughs> Especially the ones in America. Anyway... Let's move on to that and let's get into current events. Let me give you a preview real quick if you didn't check out the preview of the topics that I will be discussing on this episode. So let me scroll through my notes. I'll be talking about Joe Biden and DeSantis and Hurricane Ian or whatever the fuck the name is of the hurricane. Uh, I'll be talking about the Nord Stream 1 pipeline again because some more news has come out since I last talked about it. Going to be talking about Pelosi and January 6th. And the last thing that I'm going to cover is Kanye West. <clears throat> so if there's anything you want to skip ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to leave watermarks because I'm too lazy, but maybe I'll do that in the future. So if there are topics that you like, that you're more interested in, you're not really interested in, you can skip around and listen to what you want. Or if you don't like the episode at all, don't fucking listen to it. I don't care. Whew. Another small disclaimer. I have three different drinks around me because I'm clearly losing my voice and I need to stay hydrated. So you're going to be hearing me gulp a lot. Get over it. First thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, <clears throat> this was a headline from the New York Times. It said, during Florida visit, Biden and DeSantis promised to put politics briefly on hold. Why are you putting politics aside briefly? Why can't it be permanently? Why can't you put your bullshit, corrupt, garbage practices aside permanently? Why is this a headline? Why is this a thing? This is this is one of a trillion different headlines that really do a great job at putting on putting the sad state of politics in America on display. It's great that they're putting it aside briefly. It's better than not putting it aside at all to help people that are in need because that's what you're elected for. Ideally, you're elected into public office so you can serve the people. 
point blank, period. Anything else good that comes from that is an added benefit. There are people that need a true leader. They have one in uh, Ron DeSantis. And it's nice that Biden is going to to the to a place of a natural disaster. It's not anything brand new. Uh, every single time there's a disaster in America that's big enough, the president will go out and visit them. I have family friends that I lost in the deadliest mudslide, I think, in, in U.S. history uh, in Oso, Washington. And they got to meet Obama. But also they lost family members. So... But it was still a sign of respect, and, and, and I respect that as well. But my question is, why don't they put politics on hold permanently? Because what they mean is, what they don't, they don't mean, oh, they're going to stop doing their job briefly. No, they're going to stop getting petty. They're going to stop with the division. They're going to stop with the lying, the misinformation, the scumbag tactics that all politicians take part of, or at least aware of, and are associated with. I've said this many times in the past. Politics is not a separate entity. It's something that is ingrained in society, in all societies. American society, German society, Saudi Arabian society, Chinese society. Every single time, every place, every bit of land that has human beings on it is inherently political. Politics is ingrained in life. Now you can, you can, Get specific when you talk about public office, when you talk about Congress, when you talk about running for a local office, when you talk about the mayor, you talk about the governor, you talk about a representative or a senator. But politics should reflect values and ideals and plans to better the quality of life for humans. So what they mean is that they're putting the bullshit part of politics aside, which they should do permanently. That's how I feel. And I'm sure many people feel the way, feel that way too. Stay hydrated, bitches. The next thing I wanted to talk about, so Sweden has launched a probe so they could investigate the Nord Stream 1 pipeline detonation or sabotage or whatever. They have claimed... That they have found proof that there were official detonations. Now, like I said in the past, it doesn't matter who blew up the pipeline because we're never going to find out anyways. Nobody except the people who did it actually know the truth. All countries are going to be pointing blame. I've heard different theories on it. I've discussed different theories. I've given my opinion on these theories. We're never going to find out. But I do believe the pipeline was detonated. I'm not going to say that I trust Sweden, but I trust experts who work on pipelines that say the chances of this happening naturally are extremely low and the chances of sabotage are extremely high. So Sweden found in their through their probe that there are signs of detonations at the Nord Stream leak sites. They also said they won't allow any other entities to investigate the detonations. So that's shady to me. I know the reason, I'm assuming the reason they don't want to let other entities investigate is because they don't trust them, and they shouldn't, but depending on who's in charge of this investigation, or who who is in charge of the person who's in charge of the investigation, it all it's a big chain of command. The, the At the end of the day, if the Sweden Prime Minister wants to blame Russia, they want to blame America, they want to blame Germany, they're going to do that, and 
the public is going to have to sit back and watch. Sweden is not allowing people to investigate the detonations. They're not allowing anyone else to. Who knows if they're allowed to do that? Technically, I think it's off the shore of... It's the Nord Stream Pipeline, so I believe it. it's... Let me actually look this up. I actually know. I can't. I would look this up, but guess what? The internet's out of my house, so I'm using my fucking hotspot. So I'm not going to be able to look this up. But I'm pretty sure if they were allowed to... If they weren't allowed, and it wasn't their jurisdiction, and it wasn't uh, off the shore of their country, which I'm pretty sure the Nord Stream Pipeline probably runs... I'm pretty sure it runs close to Denmark and close to Sweden. Sweden wouldn't be withholding if they if they didn't have the legal country given right to do so. So that all being said, not really much has changed. We're not going to find out who who did this ever and it doesn't really matter. Playing the game of who done it is not going to prevent it's it's not addressing the real issue. The real issue that people should be focusing on is the fact that that pipeline is damaged now. Yes, oil was not being pumped through it, but now, for the foreseeable future, oil will not be able to be through, uh, pumped through it. So, that's something that needs to be addressed, And but, you know, there are people working on it, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt and hope that they, that they take care of it. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Nancy Pelosi had a high... <laughs> Jesus Christ. She had a high-level production company she had a high level film crew follow her around on january 6th first of all i've uh, disclaimer this is another disclaimer this episode and future episodes are going to be filled with disclaimers i've talked about january 6th i talked about and i've given my opinion on january 6th multiple times if you're tired of hearing about january 6th skip ahead but i'm going to talk about it again january 6th was not good but also, January 6th was not as bad as people like Nancy Pelosi make it seem. It was actually so not bad, in fact, that people like AOC, people like Nancy Pelosi, that have constantly talked about, oh man, I, my life was in danger, democracy was endangered. Anybody who has ever had their life in danger, the last thing they're thinking about is, how do I look? How's the lighting? Can I get recorded? It's the most pathetic fucking thing I've ever seen. It's embarrassing. People who are represented quote-unquote, or ideally should are supposed to be represented by, represented by Nancy Pelosi, should be fucking ashamed. It's embarrassing. The fact that Pelosi had a high-level, like, HBO Max-style vlog crew with her is indicative on how unserious and how non-threatening this actually was. I Yes, the people that broke into the Capitol, broke into Capitol Hill, the ones that were let in also, some of them had zip ties. Those people did not have anything good planned. Regardless of how you feel about certain politicians, I'm never, ever, ever going to advocate for usages of zip ties because you can use your imagination. The zip ties were going to be used in a horrible way. They were going to be used in a horrible way. You cannot deny that. But there's videos you can watch of these people, these protesters being let in it's not a conspiracy theory. You can find it on the internet. You can Google it right now. You can find it on YouTube probably. Probably can find it on Twitter as well. There were also National Guard troops being sent to the Capitol like a week before Biden's inauguration. And you know how I know this? Because overseas, we were all talking about it on base. I had a coworker who was like, there's something going on here. They're preparing for something big. 
Obviously, they are preparing for the huge, huge, huge amounts of rallies and the giant groups of people that were going to be there either cheering on Biden, booing Biden, cheering on Trump, or booing Trump. There's going to be a lot of people there. The National Guard was supposed to be on standby to be prepared for whatever shit, whatever shit hits the fan, which it did. But it was not a threat, the biggest threat to democracy. You got people who have anarcho-communist in their fucking bios on Twitter who don't actually, first of all, know what anarchy is. They're not actually communists. You can't be an anarcho-communist. Those are That's literally an oxymoron. Anyways, you can't be an anarchist if you're going to get pissed when your political opponents actually successfully try to overthrow the government. I mean, come on. Does, not, does nobody else see that irony? I definitely do. Anyway... January 6th was not the worst day in American history. I can list off a trillion different days that are worse than that day. I can list off uh, one in recent memory, and it wasn't just one day. It was the longest stretch of, of, of riots in American history, the Summer of Love 2020, after, after George Floyd's death. The only reason that January 6th is still being talked about is because there are people that are benefiting from it. There is a Jan- There's a committee... Where people get to dick around and interview people, sometimes a lot of them, people that just showed up and uh, showed up to the rally to send off their guy. They went there to peacefully protest or they went there to protest but didn't get violent, which they have the right to do as long as they're not shutting down a, a public road or access to a public building, blah, 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 which that is not even equally applied because uh, you got you got rioters that are burning down the public buildings. So yeah. Technically, they're not obstructing the entrance to a public building because the public building is burned down now. Anyway, 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 I'm getting going off on a tangent. All I ask of people is to do the same type of deeper level, past surface level thinking and, obser- and observations and have a deeper perspective about things. Don't let words fool you. Actions speak louder than words. Words Speaking words also is an action, but actions speak louder than words, and you need to apply that when it comes to politics. You need to apply that when it comes to politicians and public officials. Do not fall for Joe Biden when he tweets on January 6th and days after January 6th, UNITY in all caps, because his actions show, his actions have showed in the past, and they show now, and they showed after these tweets, that he is not pro-unity, because he actively advocated for the alienation of people who are unvaccinated. You are not for unity. You are not pro-unity, Joe Biden, President of the United States. You never have been, and you never will be, and neither will the party that you're a part of, and even the other party, the Republican Party. None of you are for unity. You all actively discriminate, you actively alienate, and you actively shame people that you don't agree with, whether it's with politics or their lifestyle. There are Republicans that do the same thing, to people that don't practice and live their lives the same way they do. You are not for unity. None of you are for unity. Actions speak louder than words, guys. Gotta watch out for it. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm I'm assuming that the people that listen to this podcast don't trust politicians, and you shouldn't. Do not give politicians the benefit of the doubt. Don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Make them earn the benefit of the doubt. Then make them earn your trust. Then 
make them earn your vote. So the last thing I want to talk about is Kanye West. Before I get into it, I want to preface this with I do not advocate for violence. I never have, and I never will. Ah, that's a lie. I probably have in the past. I definitely haven't on this podcast because this podcast is satire, of course. This is a character. Nothing I say is real. Violence is not the answer. Violence is a choice. And I genuinely believe that there are an infinite amount of possibilities to avoid violence. And if you choose to go with violence, then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. Kanye West in the past couple weeks has been under fire. He's gotten connections cut off. He's been shamed. He's been labeled as anti-Semitic. He's been removed from social media. Balenciaga, piece of shit, scumbag trash company anyways. They cut ties with him. Quote unquote cut ties. Um, They're going to regret that in the future. I promise you. And I'll explain why. Kanye West has his shortcomings. I've talked about it in the past. But you got you have to understand and look at the bigger picture. You have to understand Kanye West, the type of person he is. I don't know him personally, but I, I, I know of him and I know a lot about him through his art, through his music, through his clothing, through his interviews, through his podcasts, through his documentary. You have to look at the bigger picture and you have to use context. It's called critical theory. Look Critical theory is a field of study that promotes looking at the big picture, looking at historical context, cultural context, political context. Look at the entire story. You can apply critical theory to everything, especially with people. You always should do it with people. Think deeply. Exercise empathy. At the least, you'll realize through empathy, this person is a scumbag. At the, at the most, you'll realize, I understand what they're doing. Even if what they did was bad, I see why they did it. I'm going to give them a chance. I've made mistakes before. I will continue to make mistakes before. Until the second, until the day I die, until I draw my last breath from this earth, I will continue to make mistakes. Most important thing is that you learn from them and that you use it as an experience and a lesson to improve and better yourself as a human being. Went off on a tangent again, but that all being said, I'm here to defend Kanye West. The worst thing that Kanye West did was tweet something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that tweet a little bit later, because like I said, Kanye is not without his shortcomings. It is absolutely fine. And there's nothing wrong with it because I'm going to do it in this episode too. Multiple people have done it in the past. Actors, artists, comedians, regular people, regular weirdos like myself have done this, and it's apparently a crime to highlight, to just highlight and have a conversation about the numerous amounts of powerful and influential Jewish people, not just in America, but in the world. There is nothing wrong with highlighting and provoking thought on the high amounts of powerful, successful Jewish people, people that come from Jewish heritage. I've talked about it before in the past because people will say this dumb shit with with every other race. But, oh, I'm black. I can say this. Or, oh, I got the, the pass from a black friend. I'm Jewish. I'm a quarter Jewish. My great-grandfather was held in a concentration camp, two concentration camps. One of them, he spent time with Anne Frank. I don't know if he knew her personally. I only knew him as a baby. He died when I was, I don't know, 
one to two years old. I'm not really sure. I don't know that much about him. I've only learned about this recently. So yes, if you want to attack me for being anti-Semitic, how can I be anti-myself? Highlighting and thinking about why there are so many members of a certain race that are powerful and successful and influential and have a lot of control is not anti-Semitic. Threatening violence to someone because of their race is racism. Threatening violence and being racist towards Jewish people is anti-Semitism. Kanye West, when you constantly cry racism or sexism or you call someone a bigot, the more you do it, the more you water down the meaning and the more you hurt the meaning. You might have good intentions, but intention is only half the battle. Execution is the other half. If you have great intentions and you fuck up and you kill people along the way, then you're a piece of shit and you've ruined it for people that also have similar intentions, but that might have better execution because they're going to be guilty by association, even though they shouldn't be. What I'm trying to say is highlighting and provoking thought on why a certain group of people, even if it's not just race, highlighting and thinking about trying to figure out and get to the bottom why they're so successful or why they have a track record, a successful track record, because not only are there a lot of Jewish people that are in charge of highly influential, powerful, rich companies, there are also a lot, a staggering amount of Jews that have won the Nobel Peace Prize. Is this anti-Semitic to highlight that there are successful Jewish people? Am I being anti-Semitic by highlighting that there are successful Jewish people? The answer is no. Your opinion could be that I'm being anti-Semitic. You can suck my quarter Jewish dick if you're one of those people. If you threaten violence towards Jews, that is anti-Semitic. Now, the thing that Kanye West said that can be construed or even viewed very easily, I'm admitting, as anti-Semitic, is this tweet that he tweeted. So I'm going to read the tweet that got his Twitter and his Instagram locked. He said, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. Just like I just said, intention is only half the battle. Execution is the other half. Kanye West said something that was anti-Semitic. He tweeted something anti-Semitic. I'm not going to defend that. What I am going to do is I'm going to dissect the tweet and I'm going to dissect what I think Kanye West means. But he didn't explain poorly. Uh, he explained poorly. Kanye West is a, is a firm, firm, firm and strong faith, heavy faith based Christian. And I liken this to the quote from the Bible, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Kanye has been screwed. He's been, he's had multiple attempts to be silenced. He's gotten death threats from people like Puff Daddy, who Puff Daddy is a piece of shit scumbag who sold his soul for a quick buck. And that's how I feel. Nobody can convince me otherwise. Kanye West has been a provocateur his entire career. He And provocateur, a provocateur is someone that says something provocative. The worst thing that can happen is he gets attention and he makes some money off of it. The best thing that happens is that he provokes thought. He provokes and he, he invokes 
introspection, and he provokes conversation. He promotes conversation, promotes thought on a certain subject, and that's what he did here. He should not have said DEFCON 3 to Jewish people. There are better ways to let the world and let your enemies know that you're not going to bow down and you're not going to let them prosper. But by saying death, con, three to Jewish people, it's not a good look. But I do genuinely believe he doesn't mean he's going to kill Jewish people. I don't think those are genuine threats of violence to Jewish people. Kanye West is not a fighter. He's not a thug. He's not a gangster. He doesn't fight or kill people. Watch his documentary. He talks about constantly being disrespected because he's never killed anybody. He's a thinker. He does, he fights with words. He fights with, with songs. He fights with lyrics. He fights with music. He doesn't fight with his hands. He's not a gangster. So I genuinely do not believe that Kanye West is inciting violence towards Jewish people, and I don't think that he is overtly making threats of violence to, Je to, to Jewish people. It's just a figure of speech. That's how I feel genuinely. And if you think... I'm being stupid. If you think I'm being a conspiracy theorist and you're just going to label me and you're going to, you're just going to label me as an anti-Semitic person, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to provoke thought the way that Kanye West has been trying to do. Kanye West in the song St. Pablo said, the Jews share their truth on how to make a dime. Kanye West has been pleading, not just Kanye West, many members of the black community in America and around the world have been pleading with members of their race, with members of their community, to unify, to work together, to prop each other up, to, to aid and encourage members of your community and members of your race, and use Jews as an example. Kanye West and St. Pablo said that lyric that I just shared. Jews constantly prop each other up. They, they use their connections. They they keep together in their community. They're influential. They're powerful. More power to them. I am happy. I, nothing makes me happier than seeing people unify. Whether it's race that unifies them. Whether it's an objective to make money. Whether it's an objective to win a football game. Whether it's an objective to make a, a, te a, a radio show. Whether it's an objective to create a TV show and have a group of writers come together and unify and make something great. Kanye West has pled for the black community to join together and do the same thing. Deshaun Jackson intended to say that, but he shared a quote from Adolf Hitler and he got into some, into some hot water. But Kanye West is not the first person to plead the black community to join together and unify. He's pointed, the thing that unifies most people is money. Money is a great equalizer and it's a great unifier. So in St. Pablo, Kanye West is saying the Jews shared their secret on why they're so successful. It's that they work together and they have each other's backs. Kanye is pleading for blacks to do the same thing. He's pleading for people to do the same thing, regardless of race. That's what he's been trying to do. Listen to the lyrics. Listen to what he's been saying since he started making music. Don't call him an anti-Semite. Kanye West is not an anti-Semite, and I truly believe that. If it, if it turns out he is an anti-Semite, well, I made a mistake in defending an anti-Semite. But I don't think Kanye West is anti-Semitic. And it's not wrong to highlight that some of the biggest umbrella corporations in the world 
have Jewish CEOs. The CEO of Universal Media Group, a ginormous, ginormous umbrella corporation that has a bunch of offshoots, that has a bunch of smaller companies that it funds and that it's in charge of. CEO is a Jew. That same CEO got his job at CBS from a fellow Jew. He succeeded a Jew at Universal Media Group. Warner Bros. CEO is a Jew. The best agent in the top agency in the world when it comes to Hollywood or music or whatever you need agent for, the William Morris Endeavor Group, the top agent there is a Jew. The founder of CAA is a Jew. Is it a crime for me to highlight this? Is it a crime for me to have done research on this? Is it a crime for me to know this and to say into a microphone and post to the internet for the world to hear that there are powerful Jews? I don't think it is. I don't feel a single bit of anti-anybody, let alone Semites. How could I be anti-Semitic? My great-grandfather went through hell, and luckily he survived, or else I wouldn't be here today. Watch what you say. Use words correctly. I've said it many times, I said it earlier in this episode, actions speak louder than words. But words are also powerful. Words can provoke emotions. They can provoke reactions. Kanye West's words that he typed on a smartphone and posted to Twitter has provoked a pretty big response. Don't throw the word anti-Semitism. Don't throw the word racism. Don't throw the word bigot. Don't throw the word... Don't throw any words out there without knowing the meaning. Don't cry anti-Semitism for everything don't misconstrue and misrepresent anti-Semitism because when real anti-Semitism happens, people won't be able to identify it because they think someone highlighting that there are powerful Jews in the world is anti-Semitism. That is not anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is clearly defined. It's not loosely defined either. It's tightly defined. And people know if you think deep and you actually really consider it, Anti-Semitism is horrible and evil, but you know what it is. Highlighting that there are powerful Jews, talking about Jews, is not anti-Semitism. My plea to you, one thing that I'm asking of you, is to think hard about everything. Think hard about the things that you care about. Think hard and think deep. Take surface-level thinking and cut its head off and toss it in the ocean. No more surface-level thinking. Think deep about everything. Think deep about everything. Look into everything. It can only benefit you. That's going to be it for this episode of Zendependently Minded. If you made it this far, you didn't skip around or you didn't completely skip this podcast and then go report me to Spotify or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, thank you. I truly appreciate your time. I truly appreciate your attention. And thank you for putting up with my raspy voice. I promise you next week's Zendependently Minded, Zendependently Minded 64, will be better uh, as far as voice quality. But I hope you guys took something away from this episode. I hope you were able to learn something or you were able to feel something 
whether it be positive, negative, or neutral, to me, I will always be able to spend something that's neutral as positive and negative as positive. Because that's the kind of person that I am. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I am a glass half full guy. So thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode of MMA Minded, which is going to be posted today as well. I'm going to be talking about UFC 280. So if you're also interested in the UFC, stay tuned for MMA Minded, the UFC 280 episode. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you.